Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What is up guys? So the last few months on this channel, I've really only been putting out content related to season long. So you know, only the 2021 fantasy football season, but I want to start getting into more dynasty focused stuff. And don't get me wrong, I'm still going to, you know, keep putting out all the season long content, start sits, you know, my rankings, waiver wire, all of that stuff. Nothing is going to change, but I do want to also start adding some dynasty content. And I think this is a good way to start it. So every Saturday, I'm going to be posting a dynasty related video. You know, this could vary from talking about players, you know, rankings, mock drafts, any of that stuff, but it could also just be overall strategy. So sometimes it's players, sometimes it could be more game theory related, but this is a way that I know I'm getting out dynasty content every single week. And I'll probably be putting out more dynasty stuff throughout the week once we get into the off season. And the season long, you know, content kind of winds down. But right now, this is the way I'm going to start it. So this is going to be episode one of kind of a series I'm going to call a Dynasty Talk. And in this specific video, I'm going to be talking about some of the biggest risers and fallers in Dynasty Fantasy Football so far this season. So I'm going to go through where these players are ranked now, where they were, you know, at the beginning of the season, and whether or not I kind of agree with this shift, if they should have fallen this far or risen this high. And I'm gonna be using keeptradecut.com, their ADP for this video. I think it's a very solid source for Dynasty Football ADP because it's all crowdsourced. So basically, if you go on their website, they'll ask you a question, they'll give you three players you know, for Dynasty, and you'll have to select one player to keep. So that's like the number one guy you rank, and then you'll have to trade another one. That's like your number two, and then you would cut one. And they take all that data, you know, all the hundreds, thousands of people that fill those out, and they come up with their own crowdsourced ADP. So I think, you know, it's fairly accurate, and it's just an overall solid representation of the entire Dynasty community. And let's just kind of get into the first player here. I'm going to be talking about three major risers, three fallers, and all of these players are going to be pretty big name guys. But the first riser is going to be Javante Williams. Right now, he is the dynasty running back number two, according to Keep Trade Cuts ADP, and the 11th overall player. Oh, also keep in mind, when I'm talking dynasty, I'm always talking super flex. So two quarterback leagues, I really think that's just the best way to play dynasty. So, you know, in a lot of these leagues, Javante Williams, if he was the running back two in one quarterback, he'd be much higher than number 11 overall. But for Superflex, you've got all those stud quarterbacks ahead of him. So just keep that in mind. But so Dynasty running back two, number 11 overall, the only running back who is ahead of him is currently Jonathan Taylor. And he started off the season as the RB15. Don't get me wrong, he's been super impressive to start off the 2021 season. He really hasn't seen that top tier volume because he's splitting touches almost entirely 50-50 with Melvin Gordon averaging 11.7 carries per game, 3.7 targets per game. But when he is given the ball, he has been very effective. He is fifth in yards created at the running back position and fourth in yards created per touch. So when they get the ball in his hands, he is making plays. And we did see in his sole game this season without Elvin Gordon, I mean, he absolutely went off, almost got to 200 scrimmage yards. But still, that RB2 price for Dynasty is just way too steep for me. I really feel like that is his ceiling if everything goes perfectly for him this offseason, right? So the first, I think, kind of maiden factor here 
for Javante Williams taking that next step for Dynasty is the Broncos need to part ways with Melvin Gordon. He is going to be a free agent. And so that would kind of allow Javante Williams to step into that workhorse role. I also think the quarterback position is another major factor here. I think everyone knows Teddy Bridgewater is not the answer at QB. He's just not going to be good enough to lead a high scoring offense, which is definitely something you want. You know, more points being scored, that's obviously going to help Javante Williams. He's going to get a larger share of those touchdowns. And, you know, if you're a high scoring team, you're probably going to be able to run the ball out at the end of games, you know, instead of being behind where you kind of have to phase away from the run. And so, you know, maybe they move on from Teddy Bridgewater and it's totally possible the Broncos are in the running for guys like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, but there is no guarantee they get one of those top tier guys. They may end up going into 2022 with Teddy Bridgewater again, or, you know, a quarterback who's kind of a similar quality. We just don't know if they're going to get one of those top guys. And also, we have not seen him operate as the clear-cut receiving back. You know, him and Melvin Gordon are fairly close in their touches per game. And typically, for those top-tier running backs, the high-end RB1s, to have the potential to be the overall running back one in a season, you need to have at least some receiving upside. We've seen this with guys like Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara. You know, Jonathan Taylor may be a little bit of an exception, but he still is getting a decent amount of production in the receiving game just because he is a big time playmaker. But all of this would have to go right, you know, for Javante Williams to take that next step and be my dynasty running back too. So that involves Gordon leaving, no competition coming in, them going out signing Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, and then them just giving him that workhorse role and him being able to, you know, handle all that without getting injured. And I don't even think at that point he jumps Jonathan Taylor as the RB1. Right now, I'd be taking players like DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, C-Mac over Javonta Williams. I'm going to talk about C-Mac as a player who is currently falling. And then also some other players who are ranked decently behind Javonta Williams, players like Austin Eckler, Alvin Kamara. If I can get, you know, an Eckler plus, you know, maybe a pick or another decent player for Javante Williams, sign me up for that. Same thing, Camara Plus. These are trades that you guys can be making. Obviously, those are more for contending teams. If you're more of a rebuild, a guy like Antonio Gibson Plus. I feel like Gibson is kind of in a similar situation here to Javante Williams. If they give him that workhorse role and bring in a quarterback, you know, what prevents Antonio Gibson from being up there? The issue is he's splitting, you know, opportunities with J.D. McKissick and their overall offense is not good. I do think Javante Williams has a clearer path to having that high upside, but you know I don't think it should be such a clear-cut difference between those two players. So I just think his price is geared way too much towards his ceiling with really not a lot of room incorporating his floor, so I would definitely be fading him at this new RB2 cost. Now let's shift over to the second riser, and it is going to be Jalen Waddell. Right now, he is the dynasty wide receiver six and the number 20 overall player. So he'd be going as like a mid second round pick in dynasty startup drafts. And he was actually the wide receiver 23 at the beginning of the season. So jumping all the way up from wide receiver 23 to wide receiver six. And the only five wide receivers who are ahead of him are Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill, and Devontae Adams. So he is in the company of some absolute studs and players behind him are guys like D.K. Metcalf and Cooper Cup. Jalen Waddell is having a fantastic 
rookie season. We're 13 games in. He has 116 targets, 86 receptions, 849 receiving yards, and five total touchdowns. He's also second in routes run amongst all wide receivers, fifth in targets, second in receptions, and he's number eight in yards after the catch. Right now, it's a little bit interesting how the Dolphins are kind of choosing to use him. He's being used primarily as a possession receiver, you know, a guy who's going to rack up a lot of volume. His average depth of target is only 6.3 yards per target. That's a very, very low number. And he has only seen seven deep targets all season. He's also taking 45.8% of his snaps from the slot. So it's kind of just the way they've chosen to use him. They really haven't unlocked his big play kind of deep threat potential yet. I mean, we saw in college, the man was a big play machine, averaged 21.1 yards per reception his final year of college before he dealt with that ankle injury. And so right now, I actually think this is a pretty fair spot to have Jalen Waddle. He is putting up top tier numbers in his rookie season. And the only players you have ahead of him are guys who have kind of matched that production. Justin Jefferson was obviously fantastic his rookie season. Jamar Chase is fantastic. C.D. Lamb had a really solid rookie year without Dak Prescott and then is absolutely balling out as a sophomore. And then you have those two guys, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, who are obviously a little bit older, but are just absolute studs who have those crazy high ceilings and are attached to top tier quarterbacks. Plus, I mean, honestly, Tua has been playing at a much higher level the last few weeks. So if he's automatically paired with, you know, the quarterback of the future for the Dolphins, I really think this is a fair slot, having him as a mid-tier dynasty wide receiver one. And now let's shift over to the final riser, and it is going to be Joe Mixon. Right now, he is the dynasty running back six, the 19th overall player, so one spot ahead of Jalen Waddell. And he entered the season as the running back 16. Just being honest here, I'm someone who loved Joe Mixon in redraft coming into the season. I think this dynasty running back six slot seems like a reach to me. Right now, Mixon's sitting at 25 years old, so he's kind of in between that range of those young stud running backs, the Jonathan Taylors, the DeAndre Swifts, but then he's also younger than some of those older, you know, win now backs. I just don't think he should be sitting ahead of guys like Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook, who are only one year older, sitting at 26 years old. I kind of feel like a lot of Mixon's value here is based almost solely on the fact that he is one of the only top running backs who have stayed healthy. Now, obviously, Joe Mixon is performing very well. He's seeing a huge workload. And obviously, I'm you know really appreciative of that because I have him on a lot of my season-long rosters. But I also think you know players like Kamara, who have been dealing with injuries, Cook also, they take a hit, even though they're also performing at a very high level and are only one year older, but have also shown higher ceilings in years past. And I think this whole thing is kind of funny with these running backs and injuries because I actually saw a decent amount of people fading Joe Mixon coming into this season because they thought he was injury prone from missing 10 games in the 2020 season. And so right now, looking at how quick people have been to just label running backs who have gone down with injuries as injury prone, I would actually kind of rather target these players coming off of injuries, especially when they're minor ones you know, things that people don't think are going to be like repeat offenders. I would much rather target those guys at a discounted price than, you know, reaching for a guy like Joe Mixon at RB6 just because he stayed healthy for a season. Because overall, running backs get injured. That is just what happens. 
So I'll take the discount on some of those players who have suffered injuries in 2021. And now let's move over to the players who are currently falling down the dynasty rankings. And we've got to start it off here with Christian McCaffrey. He has had back-to-back injury-riddled seasons, which has resulted in him falling from the consensus RB1 to the RB6. And instead of being a high-end first-round pick, he is now going in the back end of the second round. So a pretty big fall-off for someone who's the clear-cut RB1. And I honestly think we could see him fall even farther down these rankings because he's not playing rest of season. He's not going to be on rosters. He's not producing. Other guys who are potentially right behind him are going to be putting up those numbers, helping teams win championships. The past two seasons, Christian McCaffrey has dealt with a variety of injuries. We had a high ankle sprain, AC joint sprain, a thigh injury, hamstring sprain, and then also another ankle sprain to end this season. But personally, I still don't think we can label Christian McCaffrey as an injury-prone player. First, he's just suffered a variety of different injuries. None of these, I think, are going to be chronic moving forward. And I think instead of saying like every injured running back is automatically injury-prone, it's more accurate to say that the overall position of running back is injury-prone. Running backs are going to get injured at a much higher rate than wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends. It really just kind of comes with the position. For example, you had a guy like Derrick Henry, who everyone thought was injury-proof coming into the season, me included. He'd only missed three games in his first five seasons. Like that is crazy for the workload he had, especially in the past few years. Now he's out for the season with an injury. Are we going to fade him, you know, in 2022 because he had that injury when really it can happen to anyone? McCaffrey has been a very reliable player in terms of being on the field, going all the way back to college. He played 10 plus games in every single college season, and he also played in all 16 NFL games through his first three NFL seasons. Obviously, four and five have definitely been riddled with injuries, but the positive thing here for Christian McCaffrey, in my opinion, which is why I don't think he's a player who's injury prone or is on the decline, is that every time he returns, he looks like the same player before he got injured. This isn't like a Todd Gurley situation where you can just totally see like his body's done He's not the same. He's not as athletic. These are just not comparable situations. And I follow a lot of doctors who kind of do extra content for fantasy football. And I haven't seen any of them come out and say that they truly believe Christian McCaffrey is injury prone or that any of those injuries are kind of going to flare up. If we honestly want to talk about a player who is actually injury prone, it would be a guy like Delvin Cook who keeps having these shoulder dislocations. Apparently that is something where, you know, once you do it once, it becomes more and more likely that you continue to dislocate it. So that's someone where you're like, okay, do I really want to draft that guy if I think he's going to dislocate his shoulder, miss maybe one to two games almost every season? I feel like that's a risk you guys have to consider on your own, but I don't think we can just throw that on Christian McCaffrey. And I would not be surprised at all if Christian McCaffrey came back in 2022, finished as the RB1, and just shot right back up the dynasty rankings. And so if I think a guy has that potential to be the RB1, I will gladly be paying his late second round price tag, which is where he is projected to go right now. The next faller is going to be another running back, and it is going to be Aaron Jones. He is the dynasty running back 19, the 65th overall player, and he was the RB10 coming into the season. So RB10 down to RB19. And this is honestly a pretty weird spot here for Aaron Jones. 
A lot of things were looking up for him heading into 2022. He had back-to-back top five running back finishes in terms of points per game, 2019 and 2020. The Packers re-signed him four years, $48 million contract. So they invested in the player. He's coming back, but he has not had a great start to the season. Right now, he is the running back 19 in points per game. And the difference between him and A.J. Dillon's overall touches is just not as kind of different as I thought it would be. I thought this would be a clear cut. Aaron Jones is the running back one. Dillon's the number two, but we know that Aaron Jones is that stud guy. Pretty much a similar situation to what we saw with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. You know, Jamal Williams was always involved, but Aaron Jones, you just knew he was going to be getting those valuable touches, the goal line carries, all of that stuff. This year, it hasn't really shaken out that way. Aaron Jones, 12.1 carries per game to A.J. Dillon's 10.7. He does kind of have a clear difference in targets. Aaron Jones, 4.4 targets to A.J. Dillon's 2.4, but definitely a little bit concerning here. It's much more of a 1A, 1B split than I had originally anticipated. And so looking at some of the running backs who are going in the same range as Aaron Jones, I would rather take a shot on a guy like Josh Jacobs, who's four years younger and does have workhorse potential moving forward. We also have to remember that there is a decent amount of uncertainty here with this Packers offense. We don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. It's very possible that Aaron Rodgers moves on this offseason along with a guy like Devontae Adams. So right now, guys like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are both able to be fantasy producers on the same offense because this is a top-tier offense. It's a high-scoring one. But if both of those guys are gone, I mean, this offense is definitely going to fall off, and that is going to hurt both of these players. So I would honestly probably be fading Aaron Jones at this price. It kind of hurts, you know. Maybe I'd be fine with him here at running back 19, but things are just not trending well. And you're just going to have to hope that Aaron Rodgers stays or somehow this offense kind of keeps that top tier potential if he leaves. I don't know if that's possible, but definitely an interesting player to keep an eye on. And then the final faller is DeAndre Hopkins. He has gone from the dynasty wide receiver 10, which is where he was before the season, to the dynasty wide receiver 27 and the number 81 overall player. So Hopkins right now is at the age of 29 and he's already kind of passed that age where you can move on from him for max value. You're looking at guys like Tyreek Hill, who's 27. He can still bring in top tier assets because he is widely regarded as a top five dynasty wide receiver. Same thing with Devontae Adams. He's sitting there at 28, right on the edge. You know, your peak value probably would have been last offseason, but both of those guys are still considered top five dynasty wide receivers. You could potentially bring in a Justin Jefferson or a CD Lamb if you give up Hill plus, you know, a smaller asset, those are trades that can be made. You cannot do that with DeAndre Hopkins. Coming into the season, he was a win now asset. If you're a rebuilding team, you don't have much use for a guy like D-Hop, but he was someone on a contending team who could give you, you know, three or more high-end wide receiver one seasons on your contending rosters. The problem is we just haven't seen that kind of production from him this season. He is currently the wide receiver 18 in points per game. We know he's missed some time, but he's also only averaging 5.7 targets per game, which is his lowest number since 2016. And I don't really see this flipping dramatically. Like I'm not really seeing an eight to nine target per game 
finish to the season, the Cardinals are averaging 31 pass attempts per game, which is only the 26th most in the NFL. So they're much closer to the bottom in terms of those pass attempt numbers. Plus, this is an offense that involves a variety of weapons. You've got three other wide receivers who are involved, Christian Kirk, A.J. Green, Rondell Moore. You also have Zach Ertz, James Conner, and Chase Edmonds work in there. So I'm not really seeing a ton of opportunity that could open up for DeAndre Hopkins. And so if you're a contending team, I think this wide receiver 27 value is probably a fair price to pay. But I also think there are potentially cheaper options out there, win now pieces for 2022, guys like Michael Thomas. I know there's a lot of uncertainty there, but he's still a fairly young player. We know he has that wide receiver one potential or a guy like Tyler Lockett, or you could look to move on to younger assets, guys like Brandon Ayuk and Rashad Bateman, who are not going to provide the immediate impact that D-Hop does, but they may have you know a longer ceiling. D-Hop maybe is three, four more years. A guy like Brandon Ayuk, he puts it together. He could be a borderline wide receiver one, you know, potentially locked in wide receiver two for the next six, seven years. Same thing with a guy like Rashad Bateman. So kind of just got to evaluate where your team is at, you know, in case you want to acquire DeAndre Hopkins or move him off of your roster. But that is going to wrap it up for today's video. Three risers, three fallers, kind of my general thoughts on them. Let me know what kind of content you guys want me to cover moving forward in these videos. But thank you guys for stopping by. I'm excited to get into more Dynasty content. If you stayed all the way till the end of the video, do me a huge favor, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Thank you guys again for stopping by and I'll see you next time.